0: Hey, welcome back, everybody. So good to be with you. Um, I've missed all of you guys. I don't know if you've missed me or not, or maybe you didn't even know I was gone. But welcome back to Crosspoint Church Scripture Podcast. And it's true, I was down with my whole family in the Ozarks, so we were not able to record. And like I said, for one, for me, I definitely missed it. Every time I was looking at my U version Bible on my phone while I was down there, I was like, man, I wish I could podcast from down here. But you guys don't want to hear what it'd be like without Easton making it sound good. I started every day thinking, "Where's just oh, he's gone. He's gone. He's out there <laughs> roasting like a potato." And on. well, anyway, I had a good time with my family, but it's so good to be back. So I hope. I hope honestly, I hope you guys have missed us, but um, we're back in business, putting out, um, looking at the verse of the day from you Version, looking at context, looking at what the author meant uh, to his original audience, and looking for Jesus in the verses um because i think that's going to it's not going to take away from our verse a day but it's actually going to plug it back into 220 and help us see what the the way this scripture is going to help us but we're going to be put to the test on that today because we're coming back with a whopper man today's verse uh come from one of my favorite chapters in the bible one of the kind of central chapters of the new testament and one that is just, you know, is if, you, if any of you guys out there who do any kind of reading into biblical theology or really theology at all, Romans chapter 8 is like an epicenter. I mean, it's just a real beast of a chapter, and it's just got so much going on in it. It's central to the argument of it kind of forms the, and of course there'll be people that will back and forth with you on this, but I think generally agreed Romans 8 is a huge turning point in the Roman in the letter of, from Paul to the Roman church. So in other words, chapters 1 through 7 kind of build their way up to this crescendo. Like if you think about a symphony, it just builds and builds and then 8 is the part you wait for and kind of sit at the edge of your seat and all the themes come exploding out and then from Hmm. nine onward it kind of like is receding down to like greet so-and-so greet so-and-so not like nine ten eleven twelve thirteen fourteen are waste of time anything but that but if you think about it as a mountain you're going up one side and the peak is eight and then you're going down the other side um to the bottom where paul's like okay so when i come through i'll see you guys So Romans chapter eight is a bright and shining light. And it's just like, um, like everything else Paul wrote. So you guys know pen, ink, paper back then, very valuable. Space was limited. Letters were hard to do and get where they needed to go. So someone had to physically carry this thing to the Roman church and read it to him and all this kind of stuff. So Paul was not one to waste words. So all of his writing is tightly wound. The, The book of Rome, the letter to the Roman church is tightly wound. So just know, before we get into this, that if you touch anything in Romans eight, you're touching the whole letter, so to speak. So um, we're just as usual, just gonna have to show some restraint here and just kind of concentrate on our verse. So um, you know, context is like ripples in a pond. Like if I started looking at the context, we could sit here for the next six hours and just keep looking because everything's tied to everything else. But um, that shouldn't discourage us from just looking at this verse looking at its immediate context and just seeing what we can pull from it. Okay. So as usual, the verse of the day um, stands alone pretty powerfully. So it's Romans eight and 26 and in the ESV it reads, likewise, the spirit and here um, in the ESV spirit is capitalized. So in other words, that Paul is talking about the Holy Spirit. Okay. So not spirit in general or someone's human spirit, but the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit, again there, the Holy Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So it's just, a it's a neat verse. You've probably heard it before, um, especially if you've read any kind of like books on prayer, if you've heard a sermon on prayer, um, if you've read your way through Romans 8, this is a pretty good verse, pretty well known. I mean, <laughs> anyway, it's a great verse, but it's pretty well known. So likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So the larger context, as I was alluding to at the beginning, is that Paul was on his way to the Roman church and he while well, he was hoping to travel there on his way to Spain, he wanted to do some more missionary work in Spain. So he was going to drop by the Roman church on his way because he was hoping they could support him a little bit and help him on his way. And because he wanted to see them, he want you'll see towards the beginning of the letter that he wants to see them and see what all God is doing in and through them, and he was hoping that they would be a blessing to him and that he could be a blessing to them. Uh, scholars have pointed out, and I, I I find this to be true in my own experience too, that if as you're reading the the letter of Romans, you can tell that Paul has a tremendous amount of respect for their church because he's like speaking to them often as as a peer, like that he sees them in the same business that he's in that. He doesn't come on like he's here to save them or help them, you know, in things that they don't understand. He's just constantly saying, you guys know this, but I would love to um, encourage you and strengthen you in what you already know. And there's just a light kind of a coworker type feeling. Where in some of other Paul's letters, you can tell that he is like a father talking to his children and he's training them and telling them things they don't know and correcting them. And it's all good stuff. Paul always treats everybody with respect and love because he's doing it in the, in the spirit. but in Romans, there's a little bit of like, hey, you guys are doing it, and I'm a co-worker, and so it's just really neat, because Paul really kind of lets the dog off the chain, so to speak, and really just kind of, it's the biggest rollout of his theology that we have throughout the New Testament, because he doesn't take up any time yes. um, trying to correct them or bring them up, so. Yes. He let the dogs out. Yeah, it's exactly. If you're looking for who it was, it's Paul, and it's in Romans. We finally found out. That's right. And so eight hey, Romans chapter 8 is just so beautiful because it just shoots all of these references and all of these tendrils and shoots and roots all the way into the Old Testament and Paul's other writings and the life of Jesus and just on and on, okay? But here, so just disciplining ourselves to our immediate context, um, Paul starts working his way up. And a lot of this are just again you're gonna to have to take my word for it, so to speak. Although I always encourage you go back, read it, get some good commentaries. You know, do what you need to do. Let's be students of the Bible. But I can't. So you're just gonna to to take my word for some of this for now. But if you're if any of it makes you curious, go back and have a look. But uh, Paul's working his way through Romans, and he and he really begins to focus on this idea that we are saved by God's grace. And not by measuring up to the laws of God. That we're saved by grace because the law was actually given to show us all the ways that we have come short fallen short of the glory of God. And that if if you go, okay, well, here's the law of God diagnosing my sin and showing me where I've fallen short, then I see all I have to do is meet all of these requirements and then God will have to admit that I am righteous that I'm one of his that I earned my way to his side and Paul saying you can't do that it's actually inherent in human beings to try to do that and it's a bad idea and it's not even why the law was given so the law was given to diagnose sin to make God's people Israel separate from the rest of mankind so that they would be an example and would be a hope to mankind who had fallen away. But they were never supposed to grab a hold of it and live live it like i have this and that's what makes me special and that's where my righteousness comes from instead it was what to show them and point them towards god who could transform their heart okay so of course i'm broad brushing i'm screaming past lots of things that are full of um you know controversy and other things but there you have it so verses six chapter romans six you know gets towards that idea and he'll compare the law to being this old husband that we were married to, but that old husband has died because Jesus Christ took the condemnation of the law upon himself on the cross and has set us free to be married to this new way, which is, um, the Holy spirit Christ in us, the hope of glory who changes our hearts and causes us not from the outside in to be different people, but from the inside out to be different people. And so that's this whole presence of the Holy Spirit thing. So that leads us to chapter eight, finally, where he's showing us this new way, not living according to the letter, which kills, but living according to the spirit, which gives life. And of course romans chapter 8 starts by paul saying the law of the spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin that leads to death and so romans 8 goes through and it's applying this new way of living according to god's power and his love for us we love because he loved us we have grace because of the grace we show mercy because we've been shown mercy like this okay And so we get all the way to verse 26 where, among other things, Paul is showing us that even prayer works this way, okay? So I hope this short summary, you know, has helped you see that verse 26 works this way for a reason. Likewise, the Spirit. So likewise is, is, as you guys know, if you've been listening to the program, likewise would show us that we need to look at what came before because it'll help us understand what he's going to say. So verse 26 likewise so like i've been saying or just like i've said about this other thing over here the spirit also helps us in our weakness for we do not know what to pray for i can't speak for you but one of my things i do here as a pastor at cross point church is i am i'm the head of the prayer ministry which is just so hard man i'll tell you it is really hard and this is why prayer always makes you feel so inadequate you're just like oh man i just i should pray more i should pray better i should pray more often i should see more answers in my prayer inadequacy 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 and what can happen is i mean prayer is one of the epicenters of the christian life so it either turns into a legalism that we do to just say well god says i should pray so i do and i don't want him to be mad at me so i put in my 15 minutes a day there god that's yours now the rest is mine and it's like oh man that's a disaster or i think what more and more modern americans are choosing is this feels so legalistic and dry and i'm no good at it anyway so i'm just not going to do it you know i hate to say that but i think that is a big reality in the christian church so then we're just not praying because we don't feel adequate to it i think that's a shame because verse eight, because of romans chapter 8 verse 26 If you feel weak in your prayer, it's because you are, (laughs) you know? It's like God already knows about you. You've already been found out. You don't have to hide from him or condemn yourself or feel weird. You don't, look at this, Paul says 8 and 26, likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness. What kind of weakness, Paul? Well, you know, you don't know what to pray for as you should. And this Hmm. is a broad thing. Mm. Like Easton, God already knows about you, dude. He's already knows not only don't you pray like you should, but you don't even know what to pray for as you should. God already knows that. And now everybody else knows. And now everybody knows. <laughs> All everybody who listens to this show knows that Pastor Josiah and Easton do not know how to pray. Not only do we not know how to pray, but we don't have to pray we don't even know what to pray for, but as usual this is not a um, Paul's not saying okay Roman Church so you see so you don't know what to pray you don't even know what to pray for so quit obviously it's like no man that is the gospel the Holy Spirit God himself is not looking down on you watching as you screw up praying and going Oh man huh, let's try tomorrow because they sure didn't make it today instead the picture that we're getting here is as through the whole chapter eight, but here, especially in our prayer here in verse 26, the picture we're being given that Paul's giving is the Holy Spirit is not outside of you looking down. He is in you knowing you don't know what to pray for, yet embracing you and interceding on your behalf and praying, if you'll let him, if you'll go that way, praying with you, for you and through you But like everything else, it only comes when you first are able to go, you know what? I admit what the Bible already says about me. I don't pray like I should. I don't even know what to pray for as I should. Holy Spirit, help me. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. Well, if you don't have a weakness or if your weakness makes you quit, then what what does Romans 8.26 have to do with you? I don't know. I guess it's not addressed to you. But... For those of us who are going, dude, I'm just bad at this and I don't even know what I should pray for, God says, welcome to the Holy Spirit. And it really helps a lot of us. Maybe you were raised in a tradition like I was, where it was kind of like, you don't know how to pray, but you need to learn. You need to be a super spiritual prayer because if you ever do, if you ever learn how to pray like you really should, then you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. But what do we find here? Actually, Paul says the Spirit's already here in our non-praying, I don't know what to pray for (laughs) ourselves, going, it's not that you're on the outside of me and you need to learn how to pray so you can be filled with my Spirit. Instead, I'm already in you praying for you, through you, with you. You need to join me in what I'm already doing. And it just changes the way that we approach our prayer life. Okay. So looking above it, what was the context he was talking about? Like, Why does he talk about... um, why does he say likewise starting in 18 and we'll have to read quick and just summarize a little bit but starting in 18 he says i consider the sufferings this present time present time not worth comparing to the glory that's stored up for the sons of god 20 for the creation subjected to futility 22 we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now the whole creation is broken it's subjected to futility because people have wandered from God. You're a part of that futility because you're a part of that creation. You're groaning for the for things. You're like, dude, I'm not how I should be. I know I need to be different. God knows that too. The Spirit is here as a part of that. Not only the creation, uh, verse 23, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly because just like the creation is not the way it's supposed to be, bound to futility we're not the way we're supposed to be, we groan. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has told us the way things are supposed to be. So that inward, convicting, loving presence of the Holy Spirit in your life, how can God show you the way things are supposed to be if you just get so despair of how things are that you quit on Him? So verse 23, not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first roots of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies, for in this hope we were saved. So it's in the hope that one, that god has got it going that we, if we follow him we are headed towards that time when things will be as they're supposed to be including our prayers but if we abandon ship because we're not the way we're supposed to be and we say oh i never could live up to being a christian anyway i can't pray like a christian we've just totally misunderstood and we know that because verse 24 says this for in this hope we were saved now hope is that is seen is not hope so if you're like if you think the way things that they're supposed to be if you think things are the way they're supposed to be now, then this whole future-looking faith in Christ is not for you. But if you think, if you're getting closer to Jesus and it's just showing you how you're like, dude, I am not the way I'm supposed to be. This world I live in is not supposed to be like this. My church has got so far to go. Hey, guess what? You're probably full of the Holy Spirit. For who hopes for what he sees? Verse 25, but if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. And that's how Paul points to our prayer life in verse 26. When you get on your knees to pray you're kneeling before a god who is in you loves you has total compassion for you and knows you're not the way you're supposed to be yet and when you kneel in front of a god like that before a throne of grace and mercy of a god who knows you and knows you already the way you are you are in good, you are in good hands, you're in a good place, because then verse 26, you will be knowing that that Holy Spirit is there with you, willing to pray in and through you, because you don't know what to pray for as you ought. You see, that's just a totally different way of approaching it. God is so much not 10 feet from you with his arms crossed going, I wonder if this guy will make it. Groaning too deep for words, verse 27, and he who searches the hearts knows what's in the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So who knows what's good for you? God knows what's good for you, and he's with you, in you, through you. Rely on him, get his word in you, and pray trusting him. Pour out your heart and your mind to him the way it is because you know that the Holy Spirit underlies all that groaning for you and the, and knowing where, where you're supposed to end up. That's why it all leads into verse 28 where he says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. So he's got it. You don't, and that's okay. You have found yourself. So when you pray, so just keeping to verse 26, trying as hard as we can to limit our attention just to verse 26. Prayer can be such a time when we focus on on how inadequate we are about how we are not who we should be. Our world is not as it should be. Our church is not as it should be. Excellent, excellent, excellent place to be because that becomes your prayers, do you see? Don't stop praying or get away from God because you're not. You're seeing and seeing and seeing the way things aren't supposed to be. Instead, you're turning those worries and that into prayer. And now you're getting in tune with the Holy Spirit. Now you're speaking His words after Him. So you're saying, I'm not loving. Lord, let me love as you love. I don't show mercy. Let me show mercy as you have shown mercy to me. And now you're being filled with the Spirit. God, help my church. My church needs to be more loving. My church needs to welcome people that are different than we are. See how you're not being like, oh, you know, just turning a blind eye to the way the world really is. Instead, you're being realistic and you're, praying. you're, you're speaking the things that the Holy Spirit is trying to do in you and in the church anyway. And that's what prayer is. It's not impressing God or anyone else. Okay, um, these sorts of verses can be very difficult because there's just so much that I'd like to say, but you know, it's the CrossPoint Church Scripture Podcast, so we just need to limit ourselves. To that, but verse eight and twenty-six, it shouldn't be just a mystery to you. It shouldn't be something that causes you to feel inadequate or bad. It should be massive hope to you. The Holy Spirit already knows that you don't know what to pray for. Embrace Him. Embrace, embrace that guy. That's Jesus. He's been crucified and poured his spirit out on you. He knows you're inadequate. He knows who you are. Don't run from it. Embrace it. He loves that you. He loves you the way you are. He's groaning inwardly too deep for words because of his love for you. He's interceding for you. So when you kneel and feel inadequate, go with it. God loves you. He sees who you are and he works all things together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. All right. Um, I don't have any trips planned for the Ozarks here coming up. Uh, Easton, are you going to the Bahamas or anything? Um, No, but in a couple of weeks I'll be... I don't know where I'll be. I'll be at a camp somewhere in an undisclosed location. Undisclosed location, Even to myself. Okay. I'm afraid that maybe Easton is a Trekkie or something. He just doesn't want to say he's going to a convention, but... (laughs) I wish. Okay, all right. He He says he would just come out with that. Well, anyway, we will be with you for the next couple of weeks, and we really appreciate you tuning in and telling your friends and liking and subscribing because... the reason why we do this we want to help you and we appreciate your feedback and your encouragement and sorry to have been parted from you for a week but we'll be around for the foreseeable future okay so thanks and we'll see you next time peace